Chapter Ten of A Candle for Our Lady by Regina Victoria Hunt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Ten. The stranger nodded slowly, lifting his eyes to the jagged stone of the ruined gateway. So it was, I, for near four hundred years, until a year ago. Then the king's officers came. They stripped lead from the roof, turned out the cannons, hanged the protesting sub-prior, and sent our lady's image to be burned below the gallows tree at Tyburn. He laid a strong hand on the boy's shoulder, for Jim had gone white as paper. Joan dropped on the stone of the church porch and wept, her bouquet of spring flowers falling unheeded into a puddle at her feet. Lad, the stranger said, you've a right good spirit. I heard you refused yon churl innkeeper the blessed taper. "'Twas our grandmother's dying request,' she said. "'It will look so beautiful amid the lights of Walsingham. "'But now—' "'Jim turned his stricken gaze on the ruin. "'Well, you had a good intention, "'and since you've come so far, "'you're surely in need of refreshment.' "'Taking Jim by the shoulders, he turned him around. "'See that manor about a quarter-mile distant? "'Go thither and ask for Sir William Waltham.' With that, he turned and strode away so fast they could ask no further questions. For a long moment they stared at each other in stunned silence. "'I suppose,' Joan said at last, "'we may as well seek this Sir William.' "'To be turned off as we were by the innkeeper, or to receive the cold charity of those monks?' "'Maybe not, Jem. This mendicant, whoever he is, seems to know these parts well. Anyway, what else can we do?' So they put on their scuff shoes and set off in the direction the stranger had indicated, soon coming to an unfortified manor-house set in a stately park of elms and oak. With steps that dragged over the gravel path, they approached the brass-studded door and raised the heavy knocker. An old, timid-looking porter answered the summons. "'Sir William Waltham?' Jim asked. "'We were told to seek him here.' The porter scratched his head, but motioned them to enter. From the reception hall they were admitted into a fine, oak-beamed room with mullioned windows facing the court. A large tapestry showing St. George slaying the dragon worked in deep reds and blues masked one side of the wall. Elsewhere were stands of arms, swords, helms, and shields. Glancing round they stood in their wet and torn garments before the log fire that burned cheerily under the bulging chimney-breast carved with the knight's armorial bearings. De Ajavante Montemendum, Jim read the motto scroll. What does it mean? Joan asked. Something like, God helping, there is nothing to fear. They exchanged glances, for the motto seemed to fit their own case. A door at the far end of the hall opened, and a man's deep voice spoke. Now, can I help you, fellow pilgrims? They looked at him, seeing a stalwart man in the late forties, clad in a rich doublet of blue velvet, wearing long grey hose and carrying a knightly sword, by an embossed leather belt. Iron-grey hair, worn short and crisply waved, topped a face that might have appeared stern, but for the twinkle in the vivid blue eyes, the twitching smile of the firm-set lips. Jim and Joan looked and looked again. Sir William? But, but you are— Sir William laughed. Aye, I'm your roadside guide. I have my reasons for disguise, as you shall see. Now will you hear Mass in my chapel before breaking your long fast? Mass, they whispered. 
eyes shining like lighted tapers in their wet faces. He led them through a dim corridor and up a short flight of steps, then thrust aside tapestried curtains. As in a dream, they saw the altar decked with lights and flowers, the priest, Sir William's chaplain, and his white and gold mass vestments. Then their wonder-struck eyes focused on the wood-carved image on the gospel side, the Blessed Virgin clasping the infant Jesus in one arm, and the other hand holding a lily scepter. Our Lady, they breathed, thrilled to the heart, Our Lady of Walsingham. Instinctively, Jim pulled out the blessed taper. At a sign from Sir William, the chaplain took it, lighted it, and placed it before the shrine. In wordless joy, Jim and Joan saw the tiny flame expand and bloom like a luminous flower. Sinking to their knees, they prayed long and fervently for their grandmother. But how did it come to be here? Didn't you say it was burned at Tyburn in London? Tis a copy, of course, the knight explained over breakfast in his chamber, overlooking a bright blooming flower garden. My ancestors had it made for our chapel. Little they guessed that in our day the original would be carted off and destroyed, the pious offerings to Our Lady swept into the royal coffers. But the king! Jim was shocked and bewildered by this revelation. King Henry, who has himself made the pilgrimage. Aye, lad, no man could have credited of Henry Tudor in times past. Barefoot he walked, in dead of winter, from East Barsham yonder, to pray for Our Lady's intercession. Now he, or his minister, the upstart money-changer Thomas Cromwell, has destroyed it all, and sold the site to Cromwell's creature, Sidney, for ninety pounds. Joan looked up from her bowl of strawberries and rich cream. One thing, Sir William, I don't yet understand. You knew how things stand, yet we met you on Palmer's way. A smile lighted Sir William's handsome face. True. Well, Miss Joan, since I was a lad younger than you, once a year, on some high feast, I walked the Palmer's way to Our Lady's Shrine. In those days, of course, twas thronged with pilgrims from all over Britain and many from the continent. He shook his head sadly. Times may change, man's laws change, but I cannot so change, neither for fear nor favor. This he added as to himself. And then, more briskly, I wanted to see if there were others who, despite the destruction and the terror, would have the hardihood to pay honor to Our Lady at her most venerable shine. And were there others? Only you two youngsters. But that is well, for age remembers the past, but youth builds for the future. Sir William rose and walked about the paneled chamber. Aye, dark days have come on England, but we won't despair as long as there are two young ones holding aloft a lighted taper. End of chapter 10